right, Debbie, thank you so much. I am so excited to have successfully called Canada. Um, And I am so excited to be talking with you because I have been crushing on you through the internet because of what you are offering out there to the world and your energy just comes flying through the computer screen. And I am really, really excited to learn more about what you're doing. Well, thank you for your wonderfully kind words, and I feel the same about you watching your journey on Facebook, so it's uh, it's my pleasure to be talking to you, Sharon. Well, thank you. So where shall we begin? Yeah. Where, wherever. Where do you want to start? Okay. First of all, maybe just generally talking about, you know, this part of our lives can be filled with so much change as the kids leave our house and, you know, some of us have marital changes and retirement or starting new careers. From what I've read, you started a brand new bold chapter. Sure, yeah, that whole stage of uh, being a, a mother and a, a wife and, and that whole chapter, like, it's it can be really easy to lose our identity, I find, you know. I went through, oh, totally. well, a couple of marriages and, and uh, not really sure what I wanted and what I was looking for. I was very impulsive and and then kind of just became this people-pleasing mother that lost her identity and, and then, you know, finally made some decisions to step out on my own and leave uh, relationship. We were both drinking too much, and uh, then started on that journey. Who is Deb Berry? You know, what do I want? Who, who am I without being a mom and a and a wife? And that was quite a journey. And and so continued to drink for quite a while after that, trying to figure myself out. Um, it's like I, I really look at the whole addiction thing is such a blessing now, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's really about having that attitude. In the beginning, of course, when I decided to finally get sober and realized I was just a mess, you know, I I just, I really feel it's such a gift. For many years, it was, I just thought, I can control this. I can figure this out. I was a school teacher for 30 years. You know, I was a grade one teacher, kindergarten teacher, all that. And Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm educated. I'm smart. I I did every kind of reading there was on moderate drinking. And, you know, well, maybe I'm lacking the right, wrong vitamins and and things like that, but could not manage it. And I thought, how could I be an alcoholic? You know, your image of somebody with a bottle on the side of the street was was not me. I was pretty high-functioning until the end. And... um, so it was just this acceptance of, okay, I need to do something better and I need help. Because you know what we're like. We're not good. At, we want to figure stuff out on our own. Oh, absolutely. You know, right. We're this, this independent individual. I can do it. I'm strong. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and after a couple of years, it's like, wow, I would never, I could still be a fairly high-functioning drinker and be doing okay. But, you know, having the, not being able to drink or do any pot or anything like that was just brought me such clarity and I feel really grateful for that of being able to spend a lot of time really looking at myself in, in absolute clarity without being hung over or drunk or you know and, I'm, and it's just made me so passionate about helping other people with addictions because it's such a prevalent thing so but, if, if I know. am I hearing you say that um, there was a search for how to be able to drink moderately at first and it may be a level of denial around that there was an issue Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And for many years, I didn't go crazy. But, you know, as I look back, it was like 13 when I kind of started, and I had this craving for that high, you know, like starting with passing out parties where we hyperventilate and then choke each other until we pass out. I love that thrill of being high and mm-hmm. started doing acid and, you know, drugs pretty young. And 
went through phases of being somewhat moderate, but would kind of lose it randomly and just end up in such a, you know, like over doing, going crazy on it. So it, I tried. I tried for many years, and it wasn't until I was 52 that I finally decided to get help and go to a rehab in, in uh, Vancouver, on Vancouver Island for six weeks. It really changed my life. And what was the catalyst for that revelation and decision? Yeah, well, you know, we talked, uh, you'd asked me some questions about menopause and... and uh, exactly. I, I had been pretty sick. I was pretty burnt out from teaching. I had some, you know, it's pretty hard. I love the job, but it's pretty hardcore and, and can really be burnt out. And I ended up with some health issues that were hard to diagnose. I ended up with an autoimmune disease called lupus. Mm-hmm. And so at some point ended up on stress leave. I was on a lot of meds, on steroids, on morphine for the pain and and the menopause I think really took me to my knees with that because it, there's some connection between autoimmune and hormonal kind of stuff so it exaggerated everything I was going through and and finally um, I was in another relationship a long-term relationship that was needing to end it wasn't really healthy and ended up at a trip to Mexico got had a big fight got really drunk and passed out I ended up with two black eyes a broken nose a couple of cracked ribs and I'd been considering, you know, at rehab at that point, and so when I got back, I just thought, okay, this is it. It was such a blessing. Every day, the beginning of the trip, I had these two black eyes, and it was like, what am I pretending not to know? You know, I need to do, I need to do something. Oh, that is a great question. What am I pretending not to know? I oh, love that. Absolutely. I love that. I had started doing some personal development about a year and a half before that. I had a a friend talked me into going to this program that uh, was really all about getting honest with yourself, really digging deep and, and, you know, kind of an emotional journey of looking at yourself. And that started me asking those questions. But I still was too ashamed and embarrassed to admit that I had such a, a bad addiction problem and it took me a year and a half to finally get truthful about that. And, uh, you know, grateful I did and kept doing the, the personal development work that was really valuable to me. Mm. So you got sober. Was there any kind of medication also done for the menopause symptoms? No, there wasn't. You know, I was really afraid I was going to have a horrific menopause because my mom had hot flashes into her mid-70s, and I thought, oh, man, and they were really terrible. But while I was going through the worst of it, it, I was also drinking a lot, and when I sobered up, the menopausal symptoms just disappeared, and I had virtually no hot flashes and you know so then it was there was no meds at all and my lupus went into remission my whole health changed and I was just on a whole different journey did you change anything else like were you meditating eating better exercising I was starting to do all a little bit of all of that I'm not I really want to learn how to meditate better but I'm such a kind of driven person it's hard to slow down but it's on my list (laughs) <laughs> but um, but it's uh, I, I started doing that and really just being and doing a lot of personal development work. I got really involved in kind of the leadership of it and kept showing up every month and every day to do check-ins with my friends and just being honest and open. Yet there was still some depression. I was I had retired early because mm-hmm. I thought I'd, I was just burnt out, and uh, so I went through about a year year and a half of kind of depression. I'd go for coffee with my friends and we would talk, but then I'd come home and I'd. Self, you know, read self-help books and, and uh, did a lot of yoga. I really love yoga, and that really helped a lot. 
And I thought, okay, at some point I've got to do something. I know the depression's here for a reason and it's going to lift, but I, I need to make some changes. So that's when I decided to apply for an overseas teaching job. Awesome. Okay. And, and did you know anyone in Bali? I did not know anyone in Bali. I had read Eat, Pray, Love twice. Me too, me too. Split up and that kind of stuff. I had applied and I was just going to have a Skype interview to go to maybe have a job in China, which I was sort of humming and hawing about. And I went to see the movie Eat, Pray, Love that night in the th- at the theater. When I got back, there was a, a job posting for a site I joined for a grade two position in Bali. And I thought, that is what I want. And it was like this synchronistic event that just started me on this snowball of just being so certain that that's what I wanted to do. And, oh, you know, I just got mad gooseies. It, like, it just gives me chills. Oh, me too. I love it when that kind of magic and serendipity happens. And, it's, and it really seems to me that when... It's something that's so right. Like when I traveled through Asheville and within 24 hours, I left with a job in an apartment going, what have I just done? I don't know anybody there, (laughs) but it's like everything lined up, Debbie. It was like easy. And before that, everything had not been lining up. Oh, isn't that so cool? It's so cool. It seems like the universe telling us what to do or soul or whatever you want to call it, but it just feels so magical. kind of gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Yep, it's like it's validating. It's like, yes, girl, you're on the right track. Go, go, go. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I started packing before I knew I had the job. I started getting somebody ready to rent my house and went and practiced with my parents about how to interview for the Skype interview. And three weeks later, there I was in Bali. Oh my and gosh! It was really, really bizarre. And I did a lot of healing. I got a place out in the kind of in the jungle, kind of an outside little villa, and and it was, you know, I did a lot of sorting out. Apparently, in my dreams, um, a woman I talked to was kind of an intuitive healer, and just really f- sort of stepped into my life and my courage. I thought, if I can do this, I can do anything. Mm. So it, it was it was so magical. My son ended up coming for a visit because he was really struggling with his addictions. Loved it there and ended up staying, Get got a job teaching, met his wife, Dewey, and they, his future wife, and they uh, and he's been there ever since. Mm. And that started his journey where he got sober eventually. So, yeah. I came back after two years of teaching there because my parents were getting on and I figured I needed to close some doors there and, you know, just reconnect with my life again back home. Mm-hmm. And I ended up moving in with my parents eventually as their memories and health was really getting bad, which was wonderful because we got to really reconnect and do some real strong healing from, you know, we all have parental things that that have been issues and Mm -hmm. that was wonderful. But, you know, it also eventually my dad had a bad stroke. My mom's memory faded. We got them both into care. And I, I could see while I was living there, I thought, man, my, you know, I'm, I'm 65 now and that was in my sixties. I thought, I can just see myself looking after them and being in a home myself. I thought, I need to do something with my life. Mm. You know, step into it and do something bolder. Good for you for claiming your yeah. space and and what you needed as well as serving others. Well, exactly. You know, there's this guilt, okay, I've got to be here for them. But there's also this level of, you know what, I'm playing small and, and this is not what they'd really want for me. I know my dad was an amazing man and 
founded this great trucking company and, you know, really stepped into his life after having very little education. And, and uh, so he was a great model. And, you know, it was one of those other synchronistic moments. I was just sitting at work. I was working at my company and I was doing some really boring stuff. And I'm not really good at being an office kind of eight-hour girl. Mm-hmm. And I had a flash. I need to go back to Bali. And uh phoned my son and I said, is that fella beside you still for rent? And within an hour, I booked it for six months. And <laughs> That kind of started us on the journey. To, he came up with the idea to, to create this rehab, and, and you know, I didn't initially thought, well, I'll just let him do it, and he can start out really small. And, and uh, I thought about going to Singapore to try to teach, but that I was getting too old at that point. So we decided to join forces and start this rehab. And again, just magical kind of coincidental synchronistic events that led us to it was pretty cool. Um, okay, I'm going to back up for one second and query you about this sentence. I was getting too old for that. What about that and aging made that decision for you? Well, I think my soul was just screaming at me, you know, you're not done yet. You're just playing small. You're living at home with your mom who's lost her, her memory. And I thought there's just more calling me out there to, you know, as we get closer to to, to old age, which I'm kind of there, but you know, it's like, man, the, the time is valuable and really mm-hmm. precious to think, what do I still have left to do in this life? And how do I really want to make a difference for me? That feels really good stepping into my gifts, my passions that I can help other people and, you know, be of service yet really grow myself. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was just kind of a dream come true for what we're doing right now. I just love it. Your pictures of the, the, do you pronounce it Kambali? Yeah. Kambali right. Recovery Center of what it was when you got it, um, and then all the rehab, and I what a project. Oh, it was so exciting. Yeah, Clay and I, he, he, he kind of got led to find this place, and then he took me there first with, without his wife, because him and I are very similar in our personalities and, and uh, we looked at it and we thought oh man this place has so much potential but it was run down with rat poop everywhere and needed painting And but you know there's I, I love kind of fixing up places and, and just seeing the potential and the vision and we both had it and uh, yeah it was a fun project kind of fixing that place up and getting the furniture and you know getting it all set up and beautiful and Clay's wife is really good at that kind of thing as well so it was it was really fun. Oh, I mean, to say beautiful is an understatement. It is an exquisite jewel. I just, I, I thirst to go there, and I don't have issues. I'm just like, I really want to go to this recovery center. And as I understand it, it's actually cheaper for people to go to it, including the airfare, than many recovery centers here in the States. Well, it is. I mean, you're pretty lucky to have insurance in the States to, to be able to go to rehab. But, yeah, we don't really – not everybody has that option. And it's probably a third of the cost. Like, with flights, even from Canada or the States, it's, you can still do it for under, you know, around 10000 which is – that's Canadian money, so 7000 American, right? That's – we just didn't want to go crazy on the cost because I spent – now my rehab that I went to is $30,000, and I thought, God, not everybody can do that. Right. Right. You know, it's just nuts. And so many people, it's so prevalent with addiction. And we wanted to do it differently, too, because of all this personal development. My son and I and his wife, Daley, had done. It was like, we need more than just, I mean, we love the 12 steps, but, you know, to really 
start looking at yourself and really understanding yourself is a big piece of our program and to really tap into your emotion and your beliefs about yourself and you know a lot of that holds us back and we don't really know how our behaviors are so driven by our beliefs you know so we, we incorporate a lot of that kind of stuff in our program and I like that part of it, that it's a set intake. Everybody kind of shows up at the same time and goes through the process together and grows and really develops a bond together. And I love that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do work, you're trained in the cognitive behavioral model method, as I understand? Yeah, it, it's kind of a some of that. And we, we throw in a mix of, of a whole bit of, you know, physical, making the physical important, the emotional, the spiritual, the all, everything. We, we try to look at the whole, the person as a whole and see what's the best approach. Each person's kind of different in their beliefs and their, and their, you know, knowledge of themselves and their physical abilities. So just trying it all. And it's interesting. These are life skills that, you know, we can actually, women can use in getting through menopause and aging and it's all kind of the same thing. I mean, we're all human and we all have our challenges and issues and these are really, really helpful skills. I love your approach. I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, that women can have um, a tougher time with alcohol and substance abuse than men just physiologically. Is that correct? Or is it that there is this whole other level of shame about maybe things that happened while we are, you know, under the power of our yeah, addiction. Under the influence of drugs and alcohol, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I thought, well, physiologically they say that for women it's worse than men and it, it's very progressive for us. You know, the older we get, the, the, the more we can rapidly slide into into addiction and it can really grab hold of us. My uh, roommate, one of my roommates at my rehab was a the head nurse at, at a big hospital, and she didn't start drinking till her 40s. She had a sleeping pill addiction, but as she started drinking, like, late in life, it mm-hmm. just consumed her really quickly. And I found that, too, you know, the, my 40s, my 50s, it was, it just became progressive that I would, I could handle more, but I, it, I would get drunk faster, and, you know, it just really slid rapidly in my late 40s and early 50s when I finally quit. Interesting. Or I could drink like a 26 of, of rum a day kind of thing, and especially being on morphine and other pills, I didn't really notice it. But mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, there's lots of shame, too, with women. And, you know, it's the untalked about thing. Like, men can drink, and it's cool. And right. But I think there's a lot of closet drinkers that we can hide our booze. And and then the whole sexual thing, too, right? It's, it's uh, a ton of shame. I had a ton of shame in my youth because I really didn't know who I was, and I would end up looking for love in ways of sleeping with guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, then have a lot of shame about it. And it's just kind of not really knowing who I was and, and not understanding the difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. Because it's okay to have sex the same as men. Yes. My mother was a total prude, and she was like, sex was bad and wrong, so I hold on to a lot of that stuff. So that was your conditioning. That's what you were told. Yeah. That was my conditioning, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So why wouldn't you? Absolutely. And and then culturally, that is also, that was the message, at least when you and I grew up. Uh, yeah, and I love your expressiveness sexually. I think that's a huge piece that women need to step into that, uh, that wasn't always of my generation, for sure, and certainly my parents. 
Well, I, I just don't see any reason that that has to go away because I'm getting older. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I just, I don't, and, and, you know, it was funny, I was interviewing, I was just in London and interviewing a group of girls, that, school chums that had gotten together for a reunion, and say girls, they're our age, and, um, yeah. and they were talking about how, um, well, I can't find any clothes that fit that are appropriate, and I said, well, what would be appropriate? Well, you know, not a certain length, and, and I was like, I wear things as tight as I want to, and I, you know, it's just... I don't really yeah. get that idea. Yeah, well, good for you, and I, I agree. Feel free to be bold. I mean, why not as we get older? Wear purple, wear short skirts, wear... I love your style of dressing. It looks really funky. Well, thank you, and it took me a long time because for years and years, I dressed for roles. I dressed for my corporate role. I dressed for my dancer role, my bohemian role, my mother role. I mean... And, and yeah. or I would dress like women whose style I thought was really cool instead of finding and and I went through the same journey as you did is to kind of reclaim who I am and remember myself back into being and part of that was my clothes I was like I really want to yeah. dress to reflect myself I love it that's so cool I agree it's totally worthwhile eh Absolutely. So, and and if yeah. and if your style is, if what you're comfortable in is like a baggy potato sack, go for. I mean, whatever it is, if you want to have gray hair, have gray hair. If you want to dye your hair, as long as it's you're dressing that way, not because you think you should, but because yeah. that really reflects your inner soul. So exactly, I love that. That's so true. So, um, anything else that you want to say about? Our sisters out there that are listening about addiction or menopause or aging? Well, uh, let me think. I don't know. Look at it. Everything is, is, a, is, a, is a lesson to, like, who do we want to be? How do we really find ourselves? And, like, to find our courage, you know, mm. our courage to really become ourselves. It's, it can be tricky, right? Oh, absolutely. Really step into our lives. And, and you know, I, I, for me, one of the biggest things is I, that I love is, is the ability to feel comfortable getting vulnerable with people, mm-hmm. you know, to just get honest and not hold things back. You know, find the right people and the safe people, but I'm totally fine to share whatever I've been through with most other people because it gives them permission to open up as well. And, and that's really where the connection happens, right, mm. when you can share from the heart about real things. You know, we put on this image of, you know, showing, putting our best foot forward and just showing this imposter side of us, right? But now we've all got stuff, and that's what connects us when we can share. Oh, that heart. is yummy. Absolutely. And and right on. You know, we've got Facebook where everyone throws up their best face and and. And I'll tell you, I went in finding myself, I went through two years of abject terror. I just, I had yeah. no idea who I was. I had no idea what I was doing. I shook. I mean, I physically shook for two years. And people are like, you're so brave. And I'm like, uh, not really. But, you know, I was terrified. Yep. I know. It's like, and then once you do it, it's like you step into it and you think, hey, that wasn't so bad. What next do I need to step into? I mean, good for you for doing this. This is... This is fantastic because I think I think it's so valuable for women. Well, thank you so much for your time, Debbie. Thank you for showing up so honestly and courageously, and I really, really have enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Me too, Sharon. And I hope that you can come down and visit us sometime. It'd be great to have you there. Oh, thank you. you. Know, I oh, deaf. It is yeah. totally on my we do, we, my schedule. Good, come because we do meetings every Wednesday, right? That are for open meetings, not just for. 
um, people late in recovery, but for because it's a, we have a meeting called All Addicts Anonymous because I think we all have things, right? Whether oh, yeah. it's depression or overeating or just like you know codependency. So anybody can come, and it would be great to have some good honesty acts with you and to meet you there. I am there. I will see you in Bali. Okay, okay. that'd be great, Sharon. Bye. Nice talking to you. Look forward to it. If you're interested in learning more about Deb's Drug and Alcohol Rehab Center in Bali, you can go to KimbaliRehab.com, K-E-M-B-A-L-I Rehab.com. Next week, Dr. Carrie Demers of the Himalayan Institute, who is board certified in both internal and integrative medicine, shares the ancient Ayurvedic philosophy of aging and what to eat and do to balance the innate shifts that come with getting older. Thank you for listening. This is Sharon Salzgiver, and that's The Thing About Aging.